Dr. Mina is a Harvard-trained dermatologist and the host of the Skin Real podcast, and she is on a mission to provide people with real skincare information and advice. And so in this episode, she discusses misconceptions and ways to simplify skincare, three products we should all be using, skin changes as we age, and even shares a little bit about how men's skincare might be different. Now, I am as guilty as any of not putting much thought into skincare, and so this was both a fun and a valuable conversation for me. I really appreciated her message that skincare doesn't have to be complicated, and it doesn't have to be super expensive. You know, when you go to the when you go to the store, the the choices and options are, are just overwhelming, and she really helps simplify and clarify. Now, you can find out more about her and connect with her at theskinreel.com, which is her website, and find out more about her podcast and all of that. And uh, anyway, I also wanted to mention just thank you for listening. Now, we now have listeners in 89 countries, which just is phenomenal. It blows my mind. And we are in the global top 10 of podcasts in our category and really continue to grow primarily from word of mouth. We don't really do any advertising. We don't really do any promotion. And so please keep sharing the episodes you love with your friends, with your family. And so one super simple way, I know it can be hard to share podcast episodes sometimes because not everyone uses podcast apps or even knows really what podcasts are, are about or how to access them. And, and so one way is just to go to followthepodcast.com slash midlifemastery. And from there, they can choose the way that they most want to listen to the podcast, and whether it's through an app, through the website, whatever. And of course, also, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a quick review at lovethepodcast.com forward slash midlife mastery. And this lets me know what you really enjoy about the show so I can keep improving it. And it helps others learn about the show. So more people can get great ideas, information, inspiration on creating a phenomenal midlife. For now, let's get started. How do you introduce yourself to people when they ask you, what do you do? Well, I, I guess it depends who's asking me, right? But uh, usually I start off and say I'm a dermatologist, and that usually piques people's interest. I find that people really like to talk about their skin, their skin health, and I usually get some follow-up questions for sure, either about a spot they want me to look at or um, my tips and tricks on how to have healthy skin. So, and we'll definitely talk about some of that, but before we get there, I mean, how did you, what was your path to being, becoming a dermatologist? You know, that's one of those things that they show up as adults, like no kid ever says, Hey, I want to be a dermatologist. You know, there's so many fields that are, that are like that. Right. And yet obviously people end up there. So what was kind of your path that made you say, yeah, this is my passion. Yeah. Well, I had a pretty untraditional route into medicine and actually didn't decide to go to medical school till I was 21. I actually was very much into the arts. I was a ballet dancer and actually danced for several years after high school and went to a arts boarding school for high school. So I was all into dancing and I really saw no career path for me after that, but I got injured like a lot of dancers do and, and athletes and had to sort of reassess my life goals. And I knew I loved science. I had always enjoyed that and I wanted to help people. And there are a lot of doctors in my family and they seemed very happy and liked what they did. And I thought, well, what the heck, I'll give it a try and and see. And did the courses I needed and got into med school and 
probably as soon as I went to med school, I just in my head said, I want to be a dermatologist. And I think the appeal to dermatology is that it's a very artistic and visual field. And for someone who had really been in the arts, I also enjoyed painting and drawing that really appealed to me. So dermatology is such a fun field. We get to take care of patients all ages from little babies to a hundred plus year olds. We get to do medical dermatology. We can also do surgery and we can also do aesthetic procedures that can still be pretty life-changing for people depending on what you do. So it's it's a great field and I love it. And I find that people are really excited to talk about skin and they're very into their skin and their skin health. And perhaps it's because it's so visible, right? And we associate uh, so much with our skin and how we look. Well, the- I mean, there's certainly a lot of interest in it, at least judging by the number of advertisements and products and um, opinions out in the world on it. Actually, I'm kind of, kind of wondering, with so much information, I can see easy to be information that doesn't apply to people or is a little wrong or is outdated. What are some of the, I guess, common misconceptions people have about their skin, particularly as we start thinking about you know, hitting midlife? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is one of the things I really love to talk about. And it's actually really why I started my own podcast and started going on podcasts like yours and and speaking about this because you're so right. There is so much information out there, but it's not all good information and it's overwhelming. I know I get overwhelmed, so I can only imagine someone who is just you know, a regular person who doesn't have a dermatology background. So you're so right. There is so much information out there. It's being pushed on us left and right. And then also a lot of marketing, a lot of advertising, a lot of a push for certain aesthetic looks. And it can certainly be overwhelming and it can make people feel, I think, really insecure. And so again, that's why I'm sort of out here talking and, and, speaking about this instead of just seeing my patients, because I do think it's so important. So I would say the biggest or one of the biggest misconceptions is that skincare has to be complicated. And I see this all the time in my patients. They come in and tell me about their 10-step routine, all the products they're using, and how much money they're spending on their products. And it's really shocking. And it actually kind of breaks my heart when they come in, they show me all these expensive things they just brought. And I can tell them like, you could have gotten that at the drugstore and you actually only need that one thing. You don't need all of it. So that's that's a huge misconception. And I, I am a self-proclaimed skin minimalist because I really believe it can be simple and actually it should be simple. Along those lines of being simple, and, and let, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, first off, there's so many brands. How how does one even begin to tell like quality product from marketing hype? Yeah, it is hard. It is hard. And there are a lot of good brands out there. So it's not like there's only one good one. And a lot of I, one product, you know, what product that might work for you is not necessarily going to be right for me. So you have to first sort of know what kind of skin do you have? And this is going to change throughout your life as well. Is your skin dry? Is it oily? Are you acne prone? Do you have sensitive skin? So sort of having a handle on that can help. 
and help guide you on what you should be choosing. And you also just want to, a lot of it is just trial and error too. There, I, I really hate the feel of a lot of stuff on my skin and my face. And so I really like light products and and I don't like anything heavy. Someone with really dry skin may have the opposite effect and they really need something thicker, more oil-based. So again, I hear this a lot with sunscreen. What's the best sunscreen? Well, the best sunscreen is the one you're going to actually put on every day. So I'm less concerned about exactly which brand you're using as long as you follow a certain certain guidelines on SPF and broad spectrum and stuff like that. But in general, you can buy very good quality products at your drugstore, at your you know grocery store, the drugstore in the beauty section. Well, so with with this idea of skin minimalism, then and and yes, it seems like there's you know a million different products you could buy. What what are kind of just some of the basics that someone in midlife should should be looking for? I mean, you know, so it's not a dozen products, but what I mean, what are some of the key products that we should all be using or all have? Yeah, so I would say there are about three, and if you want to just keep it really bare bones and simple, have a gentle cleanser. I use the Dove Bar Beauty Bar Soap. I, I should look at how much it costs, but <laughs> I've been using it for decades and it works great. And then you should have a moisturizer, especially as we get into our more mature years. Our skin does become drier and we need more hydration. And so a moisturizer, even if you didn't maybe need one when you were in your 20s, you may find that when you're in your 40s, 50s plus, that you do need a moisturizer. And again, very simple, fragrance-free. I like products like CeraVe, Cetaphil, Neutrogena, things like that. And then, of course, uh, very important is sun protection. And sunscreen is one form of sun protection, but I also am a big advocate of wearing hats, wearing sunglasses, covering your arms if you are working outdoors or fishing or sailing, things like that. So really, it can be as simple as those three things, a cleanser, a moisturizer, and sun protection. I guess what, what one of the things that comes to mind as we're talking here is, so some people have had a routine like all their life. Others, as you were just mentioning, you know, you may not have needed it or didn't think you needed it earlier on. I, I suspect it's like a lot of things that there's things that if we'd invested in earlier on, we'd be feeling better about it right now. So for those who are a little behind and just getting started or, or starting to take it very seriously now, what can they do to, I don't know, make up lost time? Yeah. I don't know how yeah. you put it. but <laughs> Well, it it I would say first, find out what your goal is. Is your goal to restore volume loss that happens with age and actually happens even in your mid-20s? Is your goal to fight wrinkles and fine lines or to enhance collagen? So, or is your goal just to, you know, undo some of the skin sun damage and help prevent skin cancer? You know, so it it depends on what you're looking for, but it's never too late. I tell even my patients in their later years, if because I treat a lot of skin cancer, and they'll say, Well, what's the point of wearing sunscreen now? What's the point of wearing a hat now? I'm like, it's never too late, right? What do they say? The best time to plant a tree was, you know, 10 years ago, but the next best time is today. So it's never too late. 
I would say sun protection really should be number one, two, and three for a lot of people. That's one area where I see people really neglect that in their teenage years or childhood, really teenage and 20s and such. And then they start to see the effects of the sun with premature aging, spots on their face and skin cancer in in their 40s and up. So being really vigilant with that is helpful. And there are certain creams you can use to help undo some of that. Chemical peels can help and even a laser can help with that. I would also say taking care of your body in general. And a lot of times we think our our skin, we just think of our face. We don't even think about the rest of our body, but really focusing on what you're eating and your dietary and also your, your habits. Are you sleeping enough? I know when I was younger, I definitely did not sleep enough. And it was something I totally blew off and thought it was, you know, it was wasted time. But really, sleep is so important. If you're a smoker, if you can quit smoking, it is going to help your health in so many ways, including your skin. And focusing on your diet, if you're eating a lot of processed foods, sugary foods, that's all going to increase premature aging. It's going to degrade your collagen even more so. So again, just doing things like exercise, eating well, drinking water, uh, those are those are key things to start doing and can help your skin as well. Well, you'd mentioned, it was kind of funny, I've never thought about kind of lifestyle as having a, a big impact. Yeah. So that's, yeah, it seems like the idea of, hey, get more sleep, eat better just comes at us from all directions, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's so important. <laughs> um, so for, for kind of reversing that damage, well, you'd already, I already mentioned some things there. So it's maybe, is there anything else that to, for those who want to reverse damage to, to really get started with, um, yeah, where, where do you even begin? Yeah, well, I I would say see a board-certified dermatologist, right? And a lot of people who are wanting to reverse damage maybe have, uh, maybe the their skin complexion is not even, or maybe it's thicker and they've got little rough spots all over. So a dermatologist can sort of evaluate you, make sure you don't have skin cancers. And then there are procedures, aesthetic procedures we can do like a chemical peel or a laser that can sort of help refresh and rejuvenate. I'm a big fan of chemical peels. And a lot of times if someone's coming to me feeling like they just need a refresh and they want to undo some of that sun damage, I think just making your complexion uniform and even is such so impactful. And a lot of times I'll tell people, you know, do this before you do anything else. Just get your skin, your your complexion even and and healthy looking. And that makes such a difference. For people who want to do something maybe less extreme, you could also incorporate a vitamin A cream into your very minimal skincare regimen. And actually, this is something that I do. So I'm I'm not a total purist. I do add some extras. Uh, so a, a vitamin A cream is something like a retinol or a retinoid. And that is a really simple, cost-effective way to boost your collagen, even out your skin complexion. I People say open up pores. Your pores don't really open, but it helps unclog pores. And that's a great thing to, to do and use as sort of your night cream really for the rest of your life. And then for other people looking to do a little bit more, a vitamin C cream or serum, I should say, in the morning can also help fight 
UV damage from the sun, and it can also help make your sunscreen a little more, give it a little more bang. So those are also two things that can be really helpful. What I find though with people is that we can get a little impatient and we want these products to work yesterday. And the skin is a living organ and it does take time. Our cell, our cells in our skin do go through turnover every couple of weeks, but as we age, that slows down. And so you really have to stick with these things. I find that people are really quick to say, it didn't work. It didn't do anything. I didn't notice any changes. And you really have to stick with these several months. I tell people it's like weight loss, right? You don't eat one salad or two salads for you know a couple of days and then expect to lose 10 pounds. It does take time. And it's really just consistency and sticking with it. All right. Great. And that fact, that was going to be my next question. Like how long does it normally take? And so- well, a what? chemical peel will will definitely give you that that almost instant gratification, right? Or a resurfacing peel. But yeah, using these topicals, using these creams, using sunscreen, it takes time. So don't don't be discouraged if you don't see overnight results. You're not going to. So just kind of stick with it. All right, good to know. And and so chemical peel for those of us like me who don't know what that is, <laughs> but it's now. I mean, the words chemical and peel yeah. sound kind of scary. What yeah. actually does that involve? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I guess when you think about it, it does. You're like, I'm going to put acid on my face. Great. Right. Uh, but so there, there are tons of different chemical peels out there. One is called a TCA peel. And I really like those because they are fairly strong. It's a medium depth peel and it can really remove that top layer of skin called your epidermis and even go down into the second layer of skin. So that one is really my go-to for someone who really needs kind of maximum rejuvenation, has a lot of sun damage, a lot of what we call dispigmentation, like brown spots and irregular discoloration on their face. And it's it's about a week of downtime. So I usually tell people they have to they don't have to, but a lot of times they won't feel comfortable being out in public, maybe wearing a mask, but it doesn't really hurt, but you look a little bit scary. But that one is a, a slam dunk for so many people. So I, I really love that as like a powerful way to undo years and years of sun damage and abuse on your skin. So there are also other ones. There are lighter ones that you can do. There are peels and, and beta peels that are a little bit better for more acne-prone skin. And those tend to require multiple treatments. So you'll go in maybe once a month for a couple of week, couple of months to have those. But they they also do the same thing, just not all at once. Well, what what are some, and thank you for clarifying that, that actually sounds less horrible than it was <laughs> I was picturing. So what are some of the, the, I mean, everything changes as we get older. So what are some of the changes we can anticipate with our skin as we start aging? Yeah. So you can, you know, aging, <laughs> I, I joke that it's, well, it doesn't, not everyone gets to go through it, right? So we really should be grateful that we get to age, but certainly some of the things that come with it were kind of like, Hey, I could, I could do without this, but uh, some of the expected things that happen with age is that you have loss of collagen and that is what makes our skin supple and plump and youthful looking. And believe it or not, even in your mid twenties, you are starting to lose collagen, which is kind of, uh, crazy to think about. But I think most people start to notice it in their late 30s and by their 40s. 
And for women, it's really accelerated when they start to go through menopause. You can see up to a 30% drop in your collagen. And I have patients tell me, I feel like my face just melted overnight. And in a way, it kind of did for them. It They lose a lot of collagen all at once. It can be really shocking for patients. So, But men lose collagen as well. We also lose muscle mass. So our muscles shrink, especially if we're not doing weightlifting and eating a lot of protein. And also our bone structure, our bone gets resorbed. So things like our, our chin, our jawline, that starts to shrink backwards which also just it compounds the the loosening of the skin that's that's also falling down but so there are definitely some very expected changes that happen and maybe some of your listeners have played around with that aging filter that was all the rage a couple of weeks ago on TikTok and Instagram that it would show you what you would look like you know years years from now decades from now and it was pretty accurate it's pretty spot on other things that can happen, your your skin can get discolored. You can get, especially if you've had a lot of sun damage, you can get these little brown spots called lentigenes that happen. And also with age, people can get these unrelated to the sun. They're called seborrheic keratoses. And I think people universally abhor them and hate them. And there's really no good cure for them, but they're, they're genetic. So those are some of the things that you can expect and that can happen with age. All right. So, and we've already talked a little bit about things we can do to prevent and, and rebuild around there. Is there anything we can do to, I don't know, slow down the loss of collagen and even rebuild it? Or yeah. is that pretty much just a, what we do? Well, certainly people are trying. And if you look at supplements or go on social media or open magazine. I mean, people are really, really pushing collagen supplements all over. I don't know if you, are you familiar with those or you seen those? Yeah, just like a collagen drink, I guess. Yeah, almost. yeah, yeah. Things like that. So it's still up in the air on, on what that does exactly with your skin. There was a recent study where people who used hydrolyzed collagen or took hydrolyzed collagen supplements did notice or they they reported themselves an improvement in fine lines, wrinkles, things like that. Now, again, no testing was actually done to see whether that collagen really was deposited into the skin and if that was responsible or was it from more hydration. So it's still... There was, you know, people could say, well, there was a study. There was a study, but it's still, I think, more research needs to be done. So I'm not routinely recommending people go out and take collagen supplements simply for their their skin. But what I will tell people to do is to uh, really try to increase their protein intake. That's something that actually increases as we get older. And oftentimes I find people, a lot of my patients who are older, they actually eat very little and and aren't getting enough protein. So making sure to keep that muscle mass as strong as possible. And that's by eating lean proteins and also uh, weightlifting and, and lifting weights. So not just doing cardio. So that can be helpful to build muscle and increase collagen. And there are definitely a lot of procedures we can do to enhance collagen, which I would say if you really want to boost collagen in your skin specifically, which tends to be people's faces, there are some products like Sculptra and Radius that will 
deposit these little particles into the skin that do stimulate your collagen. And I find those are really effective, very natural looking. And especially if you think about it and start early enough, you can kind of stave off some of the the big drop that you notice later. But that's one. And then there are a lot of procedures, lasers and devices that can cause little micro injuries in the skin, which will then help boost your collagen. But it's it's never going to go back to where you were when you were 20, right? You know, you have to just kind of embrace and accept that it's never going to be like it was when you were a teenager. However, there are things we can do, but I would say number one is just make sure you're eating a balanced diet. You are eating a lot of lean protein and lifting weights. And then if you're interested in doing some of these aesthetic procedures to help boost collagen, they do actually work depending on which one you pick. Another thing I'm surprised by is lifting weights. Now, always, I think, good advice to maintain muscle and, and all yeah. of that. And, but again, never thought about that in connection with my skin. So tell, tell us a little bit more just about the connection between not just eating healthy and taking care of ourselves, but actually weightlifting to help our skin. Well, when, and again, it's maybe less directly affecting your face, right? But it's affecting the skin that's becomes crepey and sagging on maybe your arms and your legs when that muscle sort of shrinks down and then the skin loses its elasticity, you, it looks kind of like a balloon that's deflating a little bit, right? So if you were to fill that balloon back up with air, or if you were to start doing some lunges and squats and building your quad up or your bicep up, then you are you are going to fill that volume loss that you've had before. So again, it's less for your face, right? <laughs> you can't really mm-hmm. lift weights on your face, but more for the rest of your body. Okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, you know, as, as we talk about changes happening as we age here, you know, what, one of the topics that we hear a lot is just kind of kind of pro-aging. And um, trying to think about aging differently than perhaps it's been thought about in the past. And so I guess just what's your take? What's your approach on that as people are trying to, you know, stave off age, still feel young, take care of themselves. And yet, as you just said, you know, we're not going back to 20, no matter if we want to or not. Yeah, exactly. Well, as someone who is, you know, in my in my mid 40s now, it's something I'm thinking about more and more that I I didn't think about before because I'm starting to see those changes that I was talking about. And I love this concept of pro-aging and I know sometimes it's sometimes people are using it just in place of anti-aging, but they still mean anti-aging. But anti-aging just sounds so negative, like we got to fight it, we got to stop it. And it's really impossible to stop it. But there's certainly things we can do. What I tell my patients, if they're interested, there are things we can do, little tweaks we can do along the way so that the changes aren't as noticeable, aren't as drastic than if you did absolutely nothing. And again, there I have plenty of friends and patients who want to do nothing. My mom, <laughs> I can't even get her to use a vitamin A cream, but she looks great and she has just no interest in doing anything, anything else. So you certainly don't have to, but if you are interested, little tweaks, little things like a little sculpture here and there, a little Botox along the way, these are things that can help you uh, feel like you didn't just wake up one morning and you don't even recognize who you see in the mirror. But I 
I think we've gone too far with some of the injectables and some of the procedures, some of the surgeries that we can do. When you see people like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to name names, but you see some of these celebrities, right? And you're like, how old are they? They have this sort of ageless look and you know that they should be probably 70 something, but they don't really look 30 or 40. They just have this weird, bizarre specified age. And I don't think people really are looking for that either, right? So most of, at least in in my practice, my patients come to me, they just want to look and feel as good as possible, especially if they've really kept their body in shape. They're really active, they're healthy, they're working, they're exercising, and they may be 65, but they feel significantly younger than that. And they just want their outside to match how they feel on the inside. And I think those are people who are who are doing it right. They are doing pro-aging right. They are doing everything they can to keep their mind, their body, their brain sharp and intact. And doing little little tweaks, little things here and there can make a difference so that you don't all of a sudden go in and have a massive facelift and all this work done and people don't even recognize who you are. So I, I like the concept of pro-aging and I, I think it's a healthier way to look at aging instead of trying to fight it, trying to embrace it, trying to not feel like you are should be put out to pasture just because you're you're 50 or whatever number. And I'm certainly seeing more acceptance of body sizes out there and in advertisements and also celebrating people of different ethnicities and different colors. And so I'm hoping that we'll also see a celebration of people of all different ages and stages of life too. So that's kind of my hope. I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully I'll see it in my my lifetime, but who knows? One of the things that I've noticed is, I mean, there's a lot being aimed at men now, which before there just really wasn't anything there, but there seems to be more interest and there's certainly more, more marketing and more products around it. Is there, is everything we talk about apply hundred percent or are there differences that you see that men should probably think about a little bit differently than maybe women think about? Well, the general just is the same, right? And a, a man can do the exact same skincare regimen that I recommended to recommended earlier. Uh, men sometimes tend to have more oily skin, and so they will probably want to use lighter things. I also find my male patients, kind of like myself, they really don't want to put on a lot of creams and stuff. So I try to suggest for for them a sunscreen that doesn't have a sticky feel, that's light. And um, that's easy to put on. They don't want to have necessarily a different sunscreen for their face and their body, which by the way, you don't need a different one. You can use the same one. <laughs> but I, I am seeing men, men are wanting to look good and take care of themselves. And they're starting to do more cosmetic procedures. Uh, certainly, I feel like the bulk of it is, especially this advertising is is aimed at women. I think the pressure on women to maintain a certain look and not age is still really, really strong. Uh, you know, a man can get gray hair and he's a silver fox and a woman <laughs> gets gray hair and and she's, you know, she's, a, a you know, not a not considered attractive, right? But uh, certainly I'm seeing men wanting to take care of their skin and they can also keep it really simple. I will say men have a higher risk of skin cancer and they are less likely to go see a dermatologist and get a skin check. So for all the guys out there, 
especially if you aren't wearing sunscreen and perhaps you do a lot of maybe golf or fishing or sports that are outdoors, go go see a dermatologist. Make sure someone is looking at your scalp, the top of your ears, your back. Those are common areas where we see skin cancer in men and they do have a higher incidence of skin cancer. So that that is something that I think men should be aware of. So that, that higher incidence, is that something just... In men, or is it just that men haven't really taken care of themselves, use sunscreen, covered up, those sorts of things? It, it's probably a little bit of both. I think in general, uh, well, if you look at sort of occupations, men, at least historically, have done more activities outside or might be working more outdoors and and then also less maybe inclined to wear sunscreen or to seek care if they notice a spot. Than, than a woman. So I don't think there's anything necessarily about the Y chromosome that makes them more prone other than just job habits and maybe sun exposure habits are a little different and then maybe more reticent to to be seen and get checked. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Actually, speaking of sunscreen, and again, million different products out there. What should people look for in a sunscreen? Is there a certain SPF or certain ingredients or anything that people should just be aware of? Yeah. So my basic rule of thumb that I'll tell people is that you want at least an SPF of 30. Studies have shown that doing higher than that, you really get a very small amount of increased benefit. However, I find that people are not putting on sunscreen as thick as they should. And so your SPF 30 may actually be more like a 15. So if you see, you know, if if all things are equal and you see an SPF 30 and you see an SPF 60, I would probably go for the 60, right? It's definitely not going to hurt you, but certainly 30 is the minimum that you want to use. The other thing you want to look at is make sure that it covers UVA and UVB radiation from the sun. The, those are the kinds that are going to um, cause skin cancer and burning. And so you want to make sure that your sunscreen blocks both. Now, uh, mineral sunscreens are going to be things like your zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Some people prefer those. Um, they feel like they're safer because they don't have you know chemicals in them, but you certainly can use chemical sunscreens too. I recommend for people who are outside sweating a lot. A lot of my male patients like a sports sunscreen because they feel like it, it doesn't run in their eyes if they are sweating or doing doing things. If you're swimming, a sport's a good one. But I think the biggest thing about sunscreen is people forget to reapply. So they might be really, really good about putting it on first thing in the morning, but then they forget to reapply. They might say, oh, I'm just going to go walk my dog. It's 4.30, it can't be that bad, right? And then they realize that actually that cumulative sun damage does add up. So if you are going to be outside more than five minutes or so, I really recommend wearing a hat or making sure you've reapplied your sunscreen too. Because I think that's when people, they, they come in and they're super tan or burned and they'll tell me, but I, I wore my sunscreen. And then when I probe, they say, well, actually I, I never reapplied. <laughs> So, so just be sure if you're swimming, sweating, and it's been more than about two hours, you should probably reapply if you're outdoors. All right. Great information. Well, well, first off, where can people find you? Like people who want to know more, dig deeper into this, what's a great location to, to track you down at? Yeah. Well, so I have a podcast called The Skin Reel, and each week I have a new podcast that comes out every Monday, and I just 
delve into topics that I get asked about a lot by my patients. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, Sometimes I have some of my dermatology colleagues on and we have a conversation like we're doing today. And so you can get really good information from that. And that is at, um, also my social media handle is at Dr. Mina Skin. And uh, yeah, I'm on all the all the platforms out there. Fantastic. Well, anything that we we hadn't covered that you were just wondering top of mind? What haven't I asked you that, that we need to get out there and let people know about? Well, I think I'll just end it saying skincare doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. And I would say find find a dermatologist if you can, if you live somewhere. I know it, it can sometimes be hard to actually see a dermatologist, but having that relationship with the dermatologist is really helpful. They can sort of guide you on what you need, what you don't need. And then if something kind of weird pops up, you can just call them and go in and be seen. But if if you're unable to see a dermatologist in person, then find someone you trust on social media or with a podcast or something that you kind of resonate with their messaging. You can get a lot of good information that way too, which I think is one of the, the great things about social media. So just making sure you're getting good information. Who is giving you this information? What are their credentials? And are are you just being sold something or is someone purely just giving you education? So those would just be my tips for people out there to just be smart consumers and as smart about where you get your information. All right, well, fantastic. So Thank you so much for being on today. This has been great. We haven't had a dermatologist on, so this is all stuff that I know nothing about coming into it, and this has been fun. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, Brock. Thanks so much for having me.